The Guardian. The Guardian has partnered with audible.co.uk to offer listeners a free audiobook if you sign up for a two-week trial of their service. Audible has 40,000 titles available to download. For all the details, follow the links at guardian.co.uk slash audible. I'm Matt Wells, this is Media Talk. Coming up, Channel 5 pulls the plug on its Sky News contract. What does it say about Desmond's plans for the network? Also in the podcast... There's a lot of networking involved, there's a lot of blogging, there's a lot of work experience and doing things for free, doing things kind of that maybe you're not comfortable doing. You do get to a point, I think, sometimes as a kind of student graduate thinking, God, am I, is this ever going to pay off? We hear from the next generation of Toynbee's Brookers and Heifers at the Guardian Student Media Awards. Plus, Spotify on the brink and DAB on the blink. And Obviously, when you get married, for anyone, you shouldn't get married unless it's going to last forever. So, of course, I try to make the marriage work. You've just got to be yourself. You know, I've tried to change. You, you can't just change someone and... You've just got to be yourself. Katie Price and the Today programme. Is that really a marriage made in editorial heaven? This is Media Talk from The Guardian. Now, we received all sorts of feedback for our coverage of William and Kate in our last podcast. Uh, don't worry, it's a royal free zone this time around. But do let me introduce you to the, uh, to the happy couple joining me around the media talk table. <laughs> Steve Ackerman is Managing Director of uh, the UK's largest independent radio production company, Something Else. Um, Maggie Brown is the columnist for Media Guardian. Pleasure to have you here. Uh, sadly, you were both overlooked in the New Year's Honours list, I noticed. <laughs> no, you know, maybe. Well, if, if, uh, if, if, uh, if Michael Grade can get a, a peerage at 67, any of us can. Well, we have a Dame long, long... Maggie Brown. Dame <laughs> Maggie Brown. <I> think <laughs> it has a ring to it. I think at least an MBE, surely, uh, Maggie. Maybe next. Well, I'm already an MBE. An MB, well, you are. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. Maybe next year. Well, uh, now someone else missing from the uh, New Year's Honours list was uh, Richard Desmond, the owner of Express Newspapers, OK Magazine, and most recently Channel Five. The ever controversial Desmond has caused eyebrows to be raised this week after he made moves that will probably result in the cancellation of Sky News's contract to provide his channel with news bulletins. The nine million pound a year deal was due to end in 2012, but Desmond's desire to pursue a more entertainment-focused news agenda means that it. It'll probably end as soon as an agreement is reached, with no doubt a punitive cost attached. Um, this is an inter- interesting one, isn't it? And what they've, what's happened is that Channel 5 have put out the contract to tender. They've yes. said that they're not going to end it early, but it's very, you know, it was very early to put it out to tender. It's clearly a provocative move, isn't it? Oh, yes, and I mean, they've gone back to ITN, they've gone to Mentorn, and um, they've gone to CNN, so they're really um, casting around. Plus, they obviously want to use their own stars as well. Um, I was expecting trouble because we know Desmond and Murdoch are, you know, chalk and cheese in terms of, you know, they don't, they don't get on. I knew from Dawn Airy that um, she made a wonderful remark about um, Desmond that um, when, she, when he asked her to stay on to help, um, you know, facilitate things, she said, all your executives are like battered wives <laughs> as, she, as she walked out. And um, I... I, I knew that there'd be a problem because she told me that um, he, he, you know, resented the contract. And that nine million a year, by the way, is, is, is reduced greatly from what it used to be. I think this is just part and parcel of what we expected Desmond uh, to do. I don't actually hold a view that all news has to be serious or all news has to be the same. Uh, and it will be interesting and perhaps rather alarming to see what he does. But given that he still has to obey the impartiality, due impartiality 
matters, uh, rules rather, insofar as he does politics and big, you know, social stories and all the rest of it, policy uh, stories. I mean, that still pertains. Uh, we just have to wait and see who, who, he, who he dredges up as a presenter or presenter. He's been, uh, Steve, he's, he's been playing hardball generally, hasn't he, since, uh, since he took over at Channel 5, um, bearing down on contracts all over the place. Well, this, this is the track record he has, and, and we've seen this before when he took over the newspapers. He did exactly the same thing. So I don't, I don't think there's any great, great surprise in that. I don't think there's any real great surprise. I mean, I don't, I don't really, I don't quite agree with Maggie in terms of I don't see the, that there's anything particularly controversial here, leaving aside the personal politics, because for a man who owns, um, you know, the magazines he does and the way that the, the newspapers he owns are very entertainment skewed, um, I think it makes complete sense that, that if you can create something that's, that's far more entertainment orientated, I mean, why is Channel 5 doing news? You know, why are they trying to compete with... Well, because it has to, because, you know, it's in their licence. So, I mean, but it, but I mean it doesn't, it to do it. But it doesn't have to do it in a straight, newsy way. It can do it in a very entertainment orientated way. Well, they way. tried, didn't they, revamping it all with live at Studio 5, which technically uh, counts well, no, to the council and then use things. Count, but but yeah. it's just done, it's terrible. I mean, uh, we, we, we are, we've, there's a bit of a trap... Oh, a poor track record of doing celebrity news in Britain, isn't there? And perhaps CNN. It wasn't scripted, though, was it? I mean, it was very full of uh, the, the, the panel of yes. or whoever it was, Steve Wright, whatever, but who not, was sort of burbling on. Knock your microphone, Maggie. I'm sorry about that. I was getting excited. Burbling on. Burbling on. But it, but it, it didn't really have any must-watch um, factor, and so they got to find a format that people will turn to regularly, and it will be underpinned, I suppose, by the the, the soaps at the start and whatever they have after it. Yeah. It would be. A, Part of a complete overhaul of the schedule, I suspect. I mean, I, I suppose the big you know, entertainment news success is e-, e entertainment news, isn't it? And, and perhaps he'll try and try and do do something like that, like that. But the, I, I wonder whether we, do we have the kind of well, I was going to say, do do, do we have enough A list celebrities to f- to fill a nightly news bulletin with? But he doesn't need to fill it with A list celebrities, does he? You just look at okay, you know. Well, exactly. I w- go, I, you go know, all the way down the alphabet. I would have thought the obvious thing is that 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 you start to use the sway you have with. Um, with PR companies and, and management companies in terms of obviously the pu- publications to then make sure you're getting... The yes. Getting, yes. getting names, name, names onto the TV slot as well. You know, I mean, if they can get the exclusive interview with X or Y when, when a big story breaks that they would have sometimes featured in some more flowery way in one of the magazines, then, then surely that, that seems the right way to go. It does look, um, Maggie, uh, that we, we, looks like we're getting a better picture about what kind of a channel Desmond envisages for, for Channel 5. Well, he obviously uh, sees it entertainment-led with some uh, high-profile factual stuff, um, if you've got the right kind of entertainment sort of presenters. He's got things like The Gadget Show, which is extremely successful. He has some good, strong brands, and of course there's just all the imports, if he can get the costs down. What he's really doing, though, is he's, in, in the shows that he is commissioning, we've seen this um, pact, the, the Producers' Alliance is up in arms because he's fundamentally looking at the terms of trade and saying, hang on, uh, these aren't fair, they're skewed towards you, they're not skewed towards me, and I'm the paymaster. And so we've seen things like the, the skirmish he's already had, which uh, I think really lays out the territory with Shine, uh, where he's saying, uh, you're charging too much for big entertainment shows, I'm not going to pay them. The, the, the producers don't stop believing that she right. thought it was too expensive and didn't and, perform well enough. Yes, and so he's saying, you know, they'll, they'll have performance-related pay, as it were. If the ratings are high enough, you'll get a bit, bit extra. But he won't be ordering those sorts of shows. And we know that he would not 
deal with uh, Endem all over Big Brother at all. It's just a ferociously expensive show. He was not going to pay the kind of silly money that uh, Channel 4 did. I don't blame him, actually, on that and one. And there was uh, reportedly some quite colourful language from, from the boardroom where, where, uh, when they met, wasn't there? Steve, um, and would, do you think that, that it's, if he gets his way on all, on all of these things, he could have actually quite an interesting influence in the rest of the, the, the television industry, uh, couldn't he, in terms of whittling away at the, at the power of, of independent producers, which has grown in, in recent years? I think with Indies, he's on slightly more difficult ground because he's ignoring the rules of the marketplace, which is obviously that if an indie has a really strong idea, he's in a way cutting off his nose to spite his face a bit, that they're just going to take it somewhere else and there are enough other options uh, for places that they can that they can take it. On some, of the, on some of these other issues, though, I think he's doing what anyone would do when they first buy a company, which is you re-examine all the contracts and you think, can I find any savings here? Yeah. Um, I saw him actually at the um, uh, very strange um, London Influentials party that the Evening Standard uh, held last week um, at Altitude. That were, you on the, were you on the guest list, Maggie? I was invited, but I obviously wasn't one of the <laughs> thousand. But uh, he was sweeping around and uh, I think he has a new girlfriend. And uh, He does. You're right. You're right. I can't remember her name. But I, have, yes. but I have seen him. It was a very strange she, she's, she's, been in, um, she's been in, she appears in the magazines, doesn't yes, she? Yes, she does. I'm afraid I do, I'm not so good at celebrity spotting that I can tell you uh, her name. Alan Yentov was there, sort of hiding around a corner. And, uh, oh, I mean, Eugenie Lebedev was the sort of so-called host. But it was a very strange event because there was no, it wasn't very English, nobody to welcome you when you came in, which is, is what you expect. This is starting to feel like like, like, like the audio version of OK. <laughs> yes, well, there we are. Oh, shut up, then. <laughs> well, 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 obviously, the, 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 these sorts of events will feature highly on, uh, on Rich Desmond's new, uh, new news bulletins. We, we should mention that, at, um, that Ke- Kelly Williams, one of the only two senior executives to survive Desmond's boardroom, Carl, he's leaving after 14 years. Um, he's a good guy, too. He yeah. really knows the market, and um, he'll be a big loss. Uh, so that leaves Jeff Ford, really, who's, who's, the, who's the only one. Well, we'll see how, how it all pans out. Um, if Richard Desmond does manage to do this and turn Channel 5 into a sort of tele- television equivalent of OK... Who, who does that affect? Is it bad news for you know, the, the Sky demographic or is it going to hit um, bump up against Channel 4? I mean, where, where, um, who's going to be most worried, worried by this? I, I, I would have thought uh, the first people who would be worried are the competitors that he has in the newspaper and magazine space because he's got something that's a very powerful promotional tool and, as I mentioned before, something that he can use as a sort of leverage tool I mean, the TV space, I don't know, Maggie, I don't know what you think. I mean, I, 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 think, I think, you know, that the Channel 4 tries to appeal to the, to the young adult uh, audience between sort of six and seven with Hollyoaks and uh, with, with The Simpsons. So um, he'll, he'll be a danger. And there are people who think he's going to make a success of this, I have to say, yeah. as well. Well, well he, he could, or what he could do for the first time is give that channel an identity and a focus. That's exactly what I was going to yeah. say. These, you know, for, I feel the main issue, probably for all of Channel 5's life, has been that it just lacks a clear identity of any sort. And, and as we, you know, for any media brand, it's, it, it's the crucial thing. If you walk up to, them, to, to a man in the street at the moment, they could not in one sentence describe to you what Channel They'd 5 is. They'd say CSI, wouldn't they? Well, well, if that, I mean, you yeah. Know, yeah, okay. Uh, well, it's interesting. Uh, uh, we'll see how it all pans out. Keep up to date with everything uh, related to Channel 5 at uh, mediaguardian.co.uk. 
This is Media Talk. I'm Matt Wells. Uh, we're moving to the part of the show that's become our news in not very brief section. Um, let's start with um, uh, your friend of mine, Rupert Murdoch. Uh, reports uh, have emerged uh, over from New York over the weekend that uh, he's been working with Apple's chief executive, Steve Jobs, on developing an iPad-only digital newspaper uh, set to launch in the new year. Uh, we have heard about this before. I think we've mentioned it on the podcast, actually, but there's more details out. Uh, it's going to be called The Daily, and apparently it's going to have a, a tabloid sensibility with a broadsheet intelligence. Um, and it's not going to be uh, printed at all. It's just going to be on the iPad. Um, would this be something? Would you would you have it on your iPad, Steve? Does it sound interesting? I don't think I would have it on my iPad on a regular basis. But I think the clever thing here is is the involvement of Steve Jobs. Yeah. Because as soon as he can say it's got the Apple badging on it, then all the Apple geeks are ready to dive in there and forget their anti Murdoch sensibilities and go and try it out i mean interestingly richard branson has announced as well that he's also going to be creating i think an ipad magazine um so people are starting to to experiment now well the thing with the ipad um is that it's the it's the digital device for people who are afraid of digital devices isn't it because because it it, it, all all the stuff that seems to be successful on on the ipad is stuff that sort of looks like magazines like like the printed paper isn't it magazines look like magazines on the ipad well uh, yes and no i mean i think that's that's the early iteration it's the obvious thing to do just just you know, stick on the screen, you know, the, the book or the magazine you can flick through. But actually, when you really start to explore uh, the potential for sort of iPad and iPad apps and, and all that area, it's actually really bringing these things alive in a much greater way. So, you know, for instance, if in your newspaper article you've got a piece about the, you know, the sun hotting up, well, you know, have the picture where, where you can pull the sun closer or further from the earth so yeah. that you can see the effect it has. Or, you know, it's those sorts of ideas. I think, you know, if you're doing a piece about the, 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 the speed David Beckham does his his shots at well you can illustrate that in a much more different way now a much more exciting vibrant way with the iPad that that, that actually um, screens on mobile don't allow you to do because of their size right okay well that's interesting um, I want to turn to some radio stories this is your your sort of area Steve but one perhaps more in in your zone Maggie is the is this one that grabbed the headlines this week which is that um, uh, reality TV star Katie Price. Uh, approach to guest edit the Today programme. Well, what, what, what do you think about that? Well, I was just absolutely shocked. But having said that... Shocked and stunned. Having said that, uh, Paul, the, last, the last conversation, no, the last... Com- well, I mean, uh, the last conversation I had with um, anybody about Katie Price was actually Claudia Rosencrantz, who has uh, taken her from ITV to put on, uh, we must call it Nice Sky Living, the Living Channel. And uh, she poached her. And if you remember, Desmond actually was very cross and tried to get her to go to five, which was too difficult because she'd already done the deal. And Claudia Rosencrantz said to me that um, she's a really, really smart, clever woman. And she does love horses, which is one of my great, uh, great pleasures in life. Well, so so, I, so I, 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 I do, I do realise that there's more to her than that. But it does seem um, a most bizarre uh, uh, marriage, and um, I can't say that it looks like a very natural fit to me. No, I think the most the most bizarre element is. Um, uh, is for is for the Radio Four audience. This is not someone who's yeah. within that within that demographic. However, you are right about her being smart, and it's easy to sneer at her. But this I'm is not sneering. No, but I, but I, but I can see that I can see Matt's lip curling, <laughs> and and you know this is this is a this is a lady and a celebrity who has constantly reinvented herself oh, yeah. and and made an absolute fortune into the process. Do you think we're going to have features on cosmetic surgery? Well, I wouldn't rule it out if she, yeah, if, if she's <laughs> yeah. editing it. Of course, we will. Well, yeah, well, and her, her it, it's, I've been watching some of some of her show actually, and. Uh, Brushes of cosmetic surgery are a bit 
ghastly. Um, Vanessa Felt is confirmed as Radio 2's new early breakfast show presenter. There was some, some advance uh, leaking of, of this, but she's going to stay on at BBC London. Busy all day for her. Do, um, do you think that's um, a good appointment, a good move, Steve? Or does it make it a bit more... I mean, it makes it quite harsh, doesn't it? Because um, she's quite a sort of... Uh, well, I was going to say grating listen, that's, that's not, but she's quite forward, isn't she? And in, in a way that Chris Evans is as well. So that's good. Is, it bit, is it going to be a bit one note from five till nine? No, I don't think so, actually. I, I think she's a very skilled broadcaster. I mean, she is a very intelligent woman and, mm. and you know, very, very bright lady and, and very skilled. And I think, actually, the interesting part of this deal is the, is the kind of, uh, the sort of bracketed bit that hasn't been mentioned as much, which is that she's going to cover for Jeremy Vine when, yeah. when he's off. Oh, and I'm right. sure, uh, in terms of her agent that's the bit that was the bit of the negotiation Absolutely. that that was the bit you know we'll do this we if you give us that yeah, yeah. Um, now that, that's BBC Radio. Um, I wanted to move to a bit of commercial uh, radio. Um, the uh, their commercial rivals have said they won't be taking part in the in the BBC's big push for uh, digital digital radio. Why uh, why is this, Steve? What, what? Well, the subtext I hear behind this is actually that the um, the, the, the the BBC uh, were looking at spending a lot of money uh, to 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 cover up the bits of the country that aren't covered in terms of digital. Rollout. Yeah, the transmitter network. Yeah, the transmitter network, which I think was going to cost about 100 million or something like that. And with the BBC cuts that have just come, that money is suddenly gone. And it's, it's a case of, well, where's this money going to come from? And so um, I think the subtext to this is this is the commercial radio boys flexing their muscles as much as they can to say, well, hang on, if you're not going to commit to this, then forget us doing anything that might support digital radio. I mean, obviously, on the surface, it, it is a, an absolute cutting off the nose to spite the face scenario. Yeah, well, we'll see, we'll see what happens. It's, it's, a, neg- it's a negotiation. It's just one of the stories we're going to get of the BBC withdrawing from, you know, from spending that's discretionary. That's, oh, sorry, did I cut no, you? No, no, not at all, Michael. Just to find out, just, you just carry on. I'll just, you know... Not, Don't get her going on the BBC again. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, while the UK uh, radio muddles along, uh, Spotify, the music streaming service, is launching in America, isn't it, uh, Steve? But it's going to have to do without Universal, Sony, Warner and EMI, which seems a bit, you know, how are they going to manage without them? Well, with great difficulty, I think, is the answer. But but also, I think it's one of those services where as they grow elsewhere, then their power with the labels is going to increase. Obviously, America's the sort of key key market. I mean, the interesting thing about Spotify is obviously, you know... Big operating loss this week, losses, 16.4 yeah, million. Big losses Lo- announced. But actually, if you look again beneath the surface on that one, you see pretty healthy subscriber numbers. Uh, I think it's 250,000 are, are paying are paying to receive the service, plus however many more additionally are getting, are getting the free version which, which carries the advertising. Uh, I wouldn't rule out Spotify yet. I think there's very clever people behind it. And, um, and you know, those sorts of losses are not actually that large for, for, for this sort of startup. And, and, and you guys have worked with them, haven't you? You the George, George Lamb show, I think, for them. We've worked, I mean, you know, the, 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 the space we've worked with them on, which is really in- interesting, is they are working with brands a lot in creating content, not just audio, video as well. Mm, okay. Um, Steve's been hogging the microphone, um, uh, Maggie, and, uh, you, but uh, I understand uh, you had a big night with Mark Thompson this week. Oh, yes, I, I was at the um, speech he gave last night. To Voice the, of the listener Voice of the listener and viewer, yeah. And what was interesting about it was that before it began, all of the, the, the people having a chased cup of coffee beforehand... A, cha- a chased well, it was cup very, of coffee? It was at the, zoo, it was at the Geological uh, Society, which is uh, part of Burlington House by the Royal Academy in Piccadilly. So it's a very sort of grand sort of setting. And mm. they were all furious about the licence fee, the, the settlement, the fact they hadn't been uh, consulted, that the BBC was paying for this 
that and the other. But of course, they're all terribly well mannered, and they tend to be middle aged and well educated and all the rest of it. And um, Thompson came in and gave his justification, and it was chaired by Lionel Barber, editor of the Financial Times, who has been running some quite critical stuff about the BBC, including a, a quite tough editorial. And um, it was a sort of like a classic lesson in how to sort of win over and defeat, charm, your crowd. charm your crowd yes yeah. and basically uh, what happened is that he put you know the best case possible um, of course they hadn't envisaged it but it was all you know manageable and then Barber said uh, I just summed it all up for him he said well basically you're saying that you did the deal now because you thought you get a better deal now than you would in 2011 and Thompson said yes. So that's that was it, really. Mm. Um, the only thing that did come out um, uh, is that clearly there are going to be big cuts at the World Service initially. I mean, 300 jobs and more. Uh, th- there's clearly a lot of money that's going to have to be spent plugging the pension yeah, uh, gap hole. as well. And when I said earlier, I really do think this, we're going to hear not so much that programmes are being dropped, but that events are not going to happen or things, projects are not going to be taken on. The peripheral, often quite expensive things that the BBC has done. It's, it is six, six years now of basically, you know, zero growth and, and extra things coming out of the licence fee. But he, uh, he made a very good case for himself. OK, uh, good for him. That'll do for now. Uh, more on all these stories at mediaguardian.co.uk. Now then, while Sky News was rolling with the carnage, carnage, they said, caught in London by those thousands of students protesting against the rise in tuition fees, it was actually only a few people, uh, around 50 of the country's most cerebral 18 to 24-year-olds spent the night at the Guardian's Student Media Awards. Uh, previous winners of the gongs include Jonathan Friedland, Andrew Ronsley, Mark Frith, uh, who've since gone on to successful and lucrative careers. Not that it's about the money, of course. Not, not these days, anyway. Uh, now, in keeping with the times, the ceremony this year was a little less grand than usual, uh, and that meant instead of Russell Brand or Dermot earlier handing out the prizes and then, and then trying to get into the students' pants afterwards. Um, it was me uh, handing out the prizes, that is, of course. Um, and my, didn't we have fun? Uh, the, the top prize of publication of the year went to Kingston University for the River newspaper. Here are two of the main people uh, behind it. My name's Callum Hornigold and I'm from um, Kingston University's newspaper, The River. My name's Lara O'Reilly, I'm from The River newspaper, Kingston University. Um, it's a tough time being a journalist, tough time being a student as well. What's your um, um, view, having gone through all of this and uh, now about the kind of difficulties that you, you guys are going to face getting into journalism? It's very easy to get despondent because straight after university you kind of think, you know, in your first year that you're going to come straight out of third year and get a job at The Guardian and it's not quite that case. You've got to really try and you've got to try kind of lots of different methods to get in. So there's a lot of networking involved, there's a lot of blogging, there's a lot of work experience and doing things for free, doing things kind of that maybe you're not comfortable doing. And that you do get to a point, I think, sometimes as, as a kind of student graduate thinking, God, am I, is this ever going to pay off? But I think it does. I think it eventually will do. As long as you keep on doing the kind of tried tactics, I think I think it works. And well, it has done for us. So yeah, you was you was hunted for quite some time, weren't you? And, I mean, persistence is the key. I'm quite optimistic because I've already I've already got a job. And Congratulations! So, <laughs> so uh, where are you going to be working? I'm working at Fighters Only Magazine in right. Newcastle at the moment. Okay. I'm um, assistant editor. So, did you find it hard to? Uh, was it is it was it hard to get a job or? Um, I was actually planning on going travelling, um, and they sort of hunted me down. And obviously, being shortlisted for the Guardian Media Awards was a massive selling point with them, um, which helped me get a job. 
particularly. But I think doing the actual River newspaper um, was something to show, you know, prospective um, employers, yeah. and it definitely helped. Um, you know, having something solid to show. Maggie and Steve, any any encouraging words for young people wanting to go into the media? Maggie, don't do it unless you're a masochist. <laughs> do it, but don't go into newspapers. Right, yes. Uh, well, you, well, you have a, fa- a family interest in this, of course, Maggie, don't you? I do. My daughter is regularly writing for Red Brick at Birmingham University. Which I used to edit. I know. Mm. And it's but, still very lively. it's still terrible. It was useless then. <laughs> she it, said loyally. <laughs> it was, it's never won any awards. We never, we never won it. They were, and they didn't. They were, I think they were entered, but they didn't win. But don't um, you think it's wonderful seeing all these students and young people, uh, you know, protesting about, about the, the, the changes to... I think it's really up. interesting in that... It, um, in, I'm really enjoying in that the there's news. a big, big movement, and yes. it's a real big thing, I think. And yes. I think the, the, the media coverage of it has been really interesting as well. Um, with The Telegraph, weirdly, yesterday... Well, Weird. I mean, completely understandably, to, uh, f- focusing on this one girl, um, Zoe Williams, who was the manning the barricades against all the, you know, the the, the nasty boys yeah. who wanted to beat up the the uh, the, the, the police van, which yeah. I thought was interesting. And then the, and the, the Daily Mail goes off, goes off on all the, you know, again focusing on 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 the women protesters, but but in a bad way, saying that you know there were all these girls all around on the, on the rampage and how outrageous that was. Because it's very easy when all the photographers and the cameramen are all around one particular. Event in this case, this kind of there was this police police van that got set upon, but it, which is not remotely representative of the kind of the, the the day itself. And but but it shows how just having the fact of cameras and tele- and photographers just in one place can uh, can really distort the coverage. Well, it's not the last the last riot and the last media covered riot we're going to have in the next twelve or twenty four months, is it? And and maybe what would be interesting is to see. Um, which of the groups that start to protest can really harness harness the media? Mm. Okay, well, that's all interesting stuff. We'll see how, how it uh, develops, as uh, Steve was saying. From students, though, to some of the biggest cheeses in British TV, some of the greatest and the goodest were here at The Guardian this week to discuss the relative health of the industry. It was all for the Red Bee Media Guardian Future of TV debate. And if you weren't part of the audience or watching on the web, here's a taster. This is Christian Hernandez, Director of Partnerships at Facebook, explaining the evolving relationship between the world's largest social network and more traditional broadcasters. At the end of the day, we want to find uh, ways for users to engage with things they're passionate about. And they're going to be passionate about their friends and their families, but also about their football teams and Coronation Street or whatever their favorite TV show is. And those passions get reflected on Facebook. So every week, X Factor, people watch on TV and then turn on Facebook and comment um, on Facebook about the show. A million status updates per show, mm. re- referring to something that's actually being broadcast to them. That, those, those comments are fairly in abstract. There's no interaction with those comments and neither ITV nor, in this case, Fremantle are taking advantage of those to guide it towards either a commercial proposition or more engagement. So I want, at the end of the day, we do three things with, with broadcasters. One, create hubs for these passions. Mm-hmm. Those are Facebook pages where you have millions of followers for a specific brand. Two, finding commercial models where they can actually use those pages as hubs to then drive content and monetization around video or selling merchandise. Top Gear has a great shop that, um, on, on Facebook that they use to sell DVDs. And thirdly is actually from an advertiser perspective. If you have a million updates per, per week around a specific show and you multiply that times 20 top to one brands, how can an advertiser come on and actually leverage that? If you could actually own Facebook for that one hour when somebody's watching ITV, 
um, and in return do ads because the users are going to be watching TV and updating Facebook. And you could tie the brand on the TV with the brand on Facebook. This model would actually support all the players. It would support the producer, the brand that wants to be, engage mm-hmm. with the users, the broadcaster, and we happen to be a vehicle for that advertising. Speaking of TV, Maggie and Steve, um, we should have a, have a quick roundup of what we've been watching on television. And I know, now you've been watching, Maggie, Miranda, which I, it's my guilty pleasure. I'm not supposed to like it, am I? It's not very fashionable. Well, you're not, but it's actually the demographics show that only 42% of the audience is male and 58% is female. Right. And what's more, uh, it's heavily skewed to um, certainly the over 35s, over 40s, and well, quite a large chunk over 65. I'm ticking these boxes, I'm afraid. Yeah, but it's, yeah. a, it's a wonderful sitcom. And my prediction is it will switch to BBC One. It's I think it's really BBC interesting because, because um, uh, if, if you a superficial reading of it w- w- would be that it's it's just a traditional cheesy sitcom, but actually. I think it's quite. Uh, I like the way that it has what are quite knowing nods to to the sitcom traditions. Um, for those of us, you know, who have grow, grown up with Allo Allo, it's very, you know, with the with the waving to the camera at the end, exactly, and you have yeah. been watching and all the rest of it. But then there are those. Kind of, I think it's all done in quite a knowing way, which is yes, and makes you feel physical, it's quite inclusive. Yes. Well, first of all, there's there's the audience laughter, which is sort of old fashioned as well. Hmm. Uh, it, there's a lot of physical. Humor. It's quite slapstick. It's yeah. very slapstick. I mean, she falls down a grave in 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 one episode, and then she's sort of wanting to stomp out she takes the chair with her you know with her handbag and she gets her her, her, her necklace tied up in a sort of sushi barge you know all of that it's it's very uh, it's very very funny uh, I was talking about it with Sheila Hancock, actually, the, the veteran act- actor. Yes. Just, what was that noise? The name, name being this dropped, is n- this dropped is on the floor. This is no, stop today, isn't it? Well, well, I'm a busy woman, and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and she was saying how much she loved it and enjoyed it but how in, and of course she came to fame really on in television in in the early sitcoms 50s and 60s and she said it was both old-fashioned and exactly your point but also quite knowing and modern too i think it's wonderful yeah, the, um, I love the character of uh, well, I love the, there's lots of characters that are good, but but Miranda's mum, who's played by Patricia Hodge, isn't it? Yes. Who um, with her, you know, what I call uh, catchphrase. It was uh, it was the Lady Gaga laugh this it week, was which just is hilarious. very very funny. I think also, you know, that the thing yeah. is that um, it's unusual really just to have. This is made by the BBC. It's an in-house production, and it, it, it's one of those things that has been allowed to sort of have its head. Really, it, mm. it doesn't look as if it's been too picked over and uh, gone through too many hands. Now, I know you, uh, Steve. You don't you don't like uh, you don't watch the X Factor, which we always talk about. So we won't talk about that. Um, but you have been watching I'm a Celebrity. I have because because it's because not I, your sort of thing at all. I wouldn't have. Put it- <laughs> This is this is what uh, someone in the office said to me because I love Anne, Anne and Deck. I think right. they are a class act, and I think the clever thing about them on I'm a Celebrity is is they have the sharpness and wit to uh, to acknowledge the bits that the audience are sort of laughing along at. You know, you know, Davina always played it as I'm passionate about yeah. the show in every element. I'll never knock any any of the people in there because I'm I, I'm. But passionate. they've been sharing in all our distaste for Gillian McKeith, haven't they? Absolutely, yes. and and you know they are still still a class act, and I I think it's worth watching for the way that they are masters of live TV. Mm. Have you been watching serious television this week, Maggie? Yes, I've only been watching serious television, apart from Miranda, of course. Yeah. Um, last night, I would thoroughly recommend uh, Richard Miles, a rather gorgeous young archaeologist, and he's a presenter of Ancient Worlds, which is basically about ancient Greece and all those sorts of things, Sparta. And you had him literally looking extremely nice against uh, sparkly blue Aegean Sea and ruins, of was course. It, was he stri- striding across the desert? 
well, he was striding over sort of beaches with a sort of tight leather jacket. And I must say it it was a very good programme, of course. I've also been watching Cops, which I think is the most fantastic observational documentary about policing in uh, northern cities and uh, how, I mean, very humane police with very drunken young people, basically, which I think has been interesting. Uh, And I've I've basically been watching things like The Accused and I've been watching the Chekhov um, shorts, which Sky Arts have been doing their little playlists. I mean, I've just been taking myself a little bit seriously this week. I'm quite glad to... Oh, and The Zoo, which I think is a really... Another very good documentary on ITV, 8 o'clock. Brilliant. It had a dying gorilla in the first uh, episode, which (laughs) had me in tears. We're now on episode three. I really recommend it for children. I I never thought you could get from Chekhov to a dying gorilla in the same sentence. But I can Maggie, Maggie has done yeah. <laughs> Excellent stuff, gang. Um, uh, and and I think that's uh, I think that's probably quite enough. Um, before we go, uh, do you want to do, do you want to t- tell us something you've learned this week from your um, your rounds of the media circuit? What have you been up to, Steve? Well, uh, well, actually, not necessarily from the media circuit, but but from my observations of media behaviour. Because I was watching my son, and I was absolutely fascinated. He's eleven years old, uh, though officially he's not because he's on Facebook. Um, but he, um, as as all his class are, I might add. In fact, all his years. He's, but, well, but, he's supposed to be. 12. Yeah, uh, maybe even older, I think. But anyway, but the, but the really interesting thing was there is an app that the, all these kids are now using called Tiny Chat, and it's basically a Skype-type app that sits on your Facebook page and lets you see through uh, video, you know, it, yeah. if your laptop has a camera, four other friends at the same time. Four. So, so we talk about this generation being a, a, a sort of double screen, mm. or uh, I've even heard Matt look at Channel 4 say this is a triple screen generation. Actually, this, this makes it a... a I mean, he was looking at four or five... He was, he, he was watching X Factor at the time, so he was watching he was six screens at the same time, in effect. Oh, I see. But I thought, I th- I thought you were going to say he was sort of chatting to four people who you could see, you could see at the same time. And he, I was just, he, no, he could... My mind was boggling at the implications. He, but, could, he could see them all at the same oh, time. He could, so one of his friends was dancing, oh, right. and, and they're all watching each other. They're, they're typing and they've got audio if they want it as well it was absolutely fascinating because i think the you know this generation in terms of media consumption are completely tearing up the rule book and so for me that was that was a real groundbreaking moment Mm. maggie what did you learn well i was reading a speech which jane root the former controller of bbc2 has just given and there was one portion in it which just made me burst out laughing she said she was describing how the office came about in 2001 on bbc2 and she said that nobody liked it or got it got this joke oh. at, right at the beginning and um, gavin davis who was the chairman of the bbc uh, came in and said that um, he was watching it at home and his wife sunai who of course worked for gordon brown came in and said to him oh turn it off what's this i get I, what are you watching i get this all day in the office when stuck between gordon and 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 tony <laughs> and uh, but apparently uh, as jane root said we stuck with it, and yeah. uh, everybody finally got the joke. Yes, it is. Well, well, I learned this week that you shouldn't give um, you shouldn't give posh Oxford students free drink because you never know where they, where they'll end up. Oh, uh, lovely! Where, Thank you. where did they end up then, Matt? <laughs> they, 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 they end, you, no, you shouldn't ask because it spoils the you know. And then I don't have to say, and, and, and it's just the answer is just you know on a in a, in a bar in Islington, which is not okay. very exciting. Okay. But if, you, if you don't meet, ask, were you meeting the bill? I, I didn't. That's not all I met. Right, um, that, it is. It is all I met. <laughs> It is all I met. I went home at a sensible hour. Um, Lovely. Thank you very much. I'm a bit hungover, though. 
I think I did quite well, though, uh, despite you know my battle through. Uh, thank you very much, Maggie Brown and Steve, Steve Ackerman. Post your feedback on everything you've just heard on our blog. That's at guardian.co.uk slash media talk. Uh, or follow us on Twitter. I promise no Jason Manford style after hours conversations. Uh, media Talk is produced by Ben Green. I'm Matt Wells. Uh, see you the next time. Don't forget to start your free 14-day trial of audible.co.uk and to download your free audiobook. Head to guardian.co.uk slash audible. The Guardian.